lots of the people who come to me, not everyone, but many of the people who come to me have some level of God trauma. I certainly did. And so the first thing I had to clean up was, okay, I'm not in this cult anymore. I know I don't believe all of this stuff, but what is true for me? And I still do consider myself a very spiritual being. So what does that look like for me? At this very moment, you're entering the Vortex of Mystic Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Mystic Podcast. I'm so excited to have you back. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so excited that you came into this Mystic community and that you are listening. Thank you so much. So today we have an amazing guest on the podcast. I'm so excited for you to listen to this conversation. It really one of my favorite conversations ever. I just, I love all the conversations that I get to have here on the podcast, but this one is really, really special. There's so many, so many gemstones, so many nuggets of just pure magic. So many portals in this conversation. I'm so excited to share with you what's going on today. And before I dive into that, I want to say right now, I'm about to open the doors for Pure Channel, which is the course in which I teach you how to be a channel, how to connect with your spirit guides, how to channel interdimensional beings, and how to really own the powers that you have and your psychic abilities and all the things. It's an amazing course to really dive deep into being the pure channel that you're here to be, to share with the world the wisdom of the cosmos. So that's happening right now. It's on a wait so if you want to wait, if you want to get on the wait list and get a little bit more information about that course, you can go ahead and send me a DM on Instagram and I'll be happy to talk to you and welcome you into the Vortex. So today's conversation with American's Life Coach is just so good. We talk about authenticity. We talk about the power of sharing more of you. We talk about the cliches that a lot of the people throw at in the, especially in the personal development, in the spiritual realm that most people don't really understand and get caught up in in misunderstandings and miscommunication. We really talk about what it really means to own an identity that is bigger than you, what it really means to always grow and always learn. We talk about crisis and we talk about, you know, evolution. It's just such a freaking amazing conversation that I can't wait for you to listen and just so you know a little bit about Stefan, he is one of the fastest growing names in personal development and a popular TV expert. After a traumatic childhood as a gay child in a fundamentalist cult, which we go into in this episode, he restarted his life and created the life in the business of his dreams. He is the author of international bestsellers, How to Find Yourself, Love Yourself, and Be Yourself, The Secrets Instructions Manual for Being Human. Stefan now supports entrepreneurs and entertainers in changing their lives from inside out. Just by talking to him for the first few minutes of this conversation, I was just so hooked. I loved his perspective, his way of, of delivering the way he thinks, the way he sees the world, the way, he, the way he's evolved. Just fascinating to say the least. So let's dive right in. Stefan, I'm so excited to just be here with you talking and, you know, being a conversation coach to coach and especially with your background and everything that you've done so far in your life. It's so amazing. So I just want to hear a little bit about the the American's life coach part of you. Like, how did that whole journey start it for you? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just acknowledge it is midnight as we discussed here. And I, as I told you, I love that because I am a late night conversation person. So I feel like I'm on the phone with a friend right now, ready to have a great conversation. I'm here for it. Um, and yeah, I, I would love to dive in here because, um, you know, many a person has messaged me over the years and said, you know, I friended you on Facebook and I didn't know what to think when I saw that title. So <laughs> I know it's definitely a question in people's minds. And it's also funny because I'll see people try to imitate it and suddenly they roll out like, America's this, Canada's this, in a way that feels like, oh, you saw what you thought was working for one person and now you're going to go imitate it, right? And that's not ever where it came from for me. Um, I had those words come to me for the first time in 2015. And it came to me, I don't like to use the word download necessarily, but it was an intuitive idea. It was one of those ideas that felt like it wasn't just random brainstorming, right? It felt like it was coming from somewhere else, coming from an inner place. And the first time the thought came to me, I said, that is ridiculous. That is over the top. That is grandiose. We will not be going with that. <laughs> and honestly, I sat with those words for about eight months to the, the best estimation um, before I ever put them online. And then at that point, I said, okay, I will be brave enough to try it on. I will put it out there at the end of a post on Facebook. And I, I slowly kind of tiptoed into it. And, you know, I, I was aware that it was a big thing to put out there. And it felt big to me from the beginning. But I always viewed it as something to live into, something to grow into, something to embody. And, and that's really what it was for me over the years and what it has continued to be is, you know, what does it look like to show up as America's life coach in this moment? And I was sharing on Instagram today, actually, that, you know, when there was a very turbulent, heartbreaking, divisive moment in the United States last year. Uh, I went on national cable news that weekend in the midst of so much turbulence going on. And I had PR friends that said, nobody's going on TV right now. Nobody wants to touch this. Everybody's scared to say the wrong thing. And, and for me, it was one of those identity moments of, but this is who I am. I show up in a moment like this and I speak to it. So all of that to say, it's definitely been something that felt bigger than me, that was given to me, and that I've tried my best to live into over these years. I have like goosebumps right now as you're talking about this, because I myself went through this, like literally what you're saying, it's like you, you ask for, because I think for you and I, and I mean, I could be speaking out of, um, out of context here, but I think for people like us that, you know, want to help and want to be of impact to others and, and are here really a devoted to a community of people that are ready for our work and for what we're here to hold for them. We ask, okay, I want to help and I want to, um, I want to be of service of people. And I feel like then we've given, as you talk about download or, or like a gift from, you know, the universe or a gift from um, like our highest self given an identity to grow into. I think one of the coolest things that I've 
saw on your Instagram was this post about more of you instead of like, like in, t- in terms of wanting to succeed, a lot of people go outside of who they are to look for the thing that's going to get them there. And it's not that something outside of them is going to get them there is more of them. But I think that a lot of people, when they hear that, it's a little bit confusing. So what you're saying now is, you know, more of you, but the highest identity, right? So getting out of the comfort zone of where you're at into an identity that, as you say, I think that this identity that you picked up as an American life coach is something that you can grow into always, right? Like you're never done with that. And I, and I love that idea. So do you think that as you started, the development of who you are has grown, especially as you every day wake up as I'm the American's life coach. So how do I, you know, how do I show up like that? How's that been that grow for you? What's changed? What's brought to your life? What do you think are the biggest things that, you know, because of that identity, you've been kind of pushed into more of you? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I love that we're unpacking this idea of being you because I think mm. that in personal development, we often throw concepts at people and they're meaningful to us because we've lived them, taught them, breathed them for years, but they start to become these meaningless cliches that people don't really know what to do with. Like you're telling me the answer is to be me, but you know, what, what, what do I even do with that? And I think that there's this both and when it comes to authenticity where on the one hand, there's like an authentic you that's always been in there that is just, you don't have to do anything. You, you show up, you wake up and that is you. And I remember I had a hosting coach I worked with in Los Angeles years ago who said, being you is often a product of not thinking, meaning when you're not in your head, filtering, calculating, Mm -hmm. censoring, but just in the moment, that is the most authentic you. And so there is being you on that level. But then there's also this growth piece of the equation on the other side, which is sometimes you have like a seed of something, an idea, a dream, a desire, a whisper in your heart. And it is within you, but it's not like a one and done thing. You know, I I didn't pop out of the womb as America's life coach. I didn't, you know, at 10 years old, I was not ready to coach somebody. Hell, at 20 years old, I was not ready to go on TV at that point. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So, So there's also this part of you where it is being you but it's your highest self continually leading you forward and moving you and propelling you forward. And I think that that identity has done that for me. And when I was just starting out and I was learning how to sell and I was figuring out how to get clients and and in every moment all along the way, that identity has been a vision that has pulled me forward. And it is authentic, but it's also something ever evolving. Mm-hmm. I think that's the because I love branding and I love identity. I love like developing an authentic business that you know fits us. And I think it's, it's both of those pieces is the piece of what it's your you know uniqueness, but then at the same time, what are you growing into? Because you can grow into as well as your clients can grow into. So um, this is such an amazing piece. And and for me, like I was saying before, um, I continue to evolve into different identities, but I was giving one 
not too long ago. And it was so exciting because it felt like that. It felt like, wow, I can grow into this one, you know, my entire life. So that's really exciting. And, and for anybody listening, you know, I, I dare you to whatever it is that you have right now within your business, is that identity something that you can still grow into? Or is that identity a little bit stuck into who you are right now without a space to grow into more possibilities and more of you, which is eventually, you know, the idea of earth here and in our life and earth is it's evolving as as human beings and evolving as you know divine beings as well but i'm so interested about who you are because the way you talk can you tell me and i i don't know much of astrology but i don't know why i want to know your sign what's your sign sure i am a sun and moon full sagittarius uh, mm-hmm. right on the cusp with scorpio which is actually my rising sign that is so, so interesting because I love the way you you clarify things and it makes it so easy to understand for everybody. And so let's talk a little bit about you. Like what was your, um, I know right now, and I definitely want to talk a little bit about your work and what you do with people and, and your approach on coaching and, and life in general, but where did we start it? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I, um, I was just going to say on the the last point, which brewed so many thoughts within me, I'm really big on this concept of having both roots and wings at all times, which is really, I think, the the paradox we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whenever you lose connection with either of them, particularly as a a coach or a business owner, Mm -hmm. you're not standing on as powerful of a foundation as you could be. And so I'm always happy to go back to the roots, to talk about the roots, because that is such an important part of the equation. Doesn't also mean we don't have wings, but it is an important part of who I am. And, um, you know, I have a unique story, I guess, and starting point because my parents are members of a fundamentalist Christian cult in the Southeastern United States. And, you know, that is a very small percentage of the population who grew up in an environment like that. So there are people out there who have been through something exactly like that or close to that, um, though not many. Um, But, you know, I always say my childhood was characterized by fear. Um, And that really is the dominant energy that I was raised in. We were just taught to be afraid of everything. And so... We were afraid of God, but also afraid of Satan, but also afraid of hell and sin and money and sex and Hollywood and all fear. And by the way, I just want to say um, in in 2020, when I felt like a lot of influencers and coaches and wellness people were all over the place and how they were showing up online. I don't know if anyone else felt like their timeline was a little crazy in 2020. But one of the things, and again, I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly, but one of the things that was really a lot for me about that was how much of it was coming from a vibration of fear. Mm -hmm. And I am so passionate about this because it's my story that I don't care how in the right you think you are, if your message and your work is coming from a dominant energy of fear, that is the core of what you're handing on, to, you know, handing down to people. Yeah. And the end does not, does not justify the means because the energy with which you create is the energy you end up with. 
And so, I, I, you know, you can tell I'm very passionate about this, but that was the childhood that I had is a lot of fear. And of course, me growing up as a gay kid, that was particularly not received well when I came out to my parents, when I figured out who I was. And so I How got kicked out of the, the time of figuring out or coming out, coming out. So I came out the summer. Let's see the summer right before senior year of high school, I believe. And I came out very like tentatively halfway coming out to my mom who eventually told my dad and there was a minute there where I thought maybe we're going to make it and you can like get to college and it's all going to be okay. And then right after my senior year of high school finished, I got kicked out of the house. Uh, my dad said, we let you graduate. We let you finish school. You're out. And so I was given literally five days notice to turn in the keys to them, figure out another place to live. and restart everything. And that at the time was obviously the most painful, traumatizing, difficult thing I had ever experienced. Um, honestly, to date, it still may be probably the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced. Um, but it also gave me, I mean, in, in many ways, infinite gifts, but specifically the gifts that because I started over at 18, I started asking all of the big questions mm -hmm. about life, about the universe, about what I was here to do. I started asking those in a big, serious way at 18 years old. And now I know from my work, a lot of people, those questions hit them at 45 years old or yeah. 53 years old or, or much further down in life, which is great. I had all of that hit at 18. And ultimately, that's the thing that thrust me into personal development and spirituality. What a story. That's really powerful because, you know, I feel like a lot of the times you would say before, maybe I don't know what before is, but you would say um, you haven't lived and you don't have experience and you're just too young. And the thing is, like, all of us in our lives have different experiences that push us through the threshold in many different ways, like, quote unquote, growing too fast and, and asking questions that, you know, in normally you wouldn't be asking until, you know, you have a crisis at your 30s. And then that's when you start to ask those questions. So such a beautiful thing to be reflected. Um, not that your story and I are similar, but in the way of being pushed through the threshold very early and starting to ask those questions that now it's probably, you know, our ability to help others when they, when those questions arise. So, but that was, that's a huge one. I mean, starting at 18, you know, this idea of starting over, I was, somebody posted something on Instagram the other day and they were saying they had a really successful business, extremely successful and, and super, you know, powerfully and positively impacting the community. And um, she was saying that she's going to, close the whole thing and she's going to start again because all of a sudden she has another idea of something else. And she's saying, you know, when you're at the top, quote unquote, and you, you don't feel like that it's, it's something that you're in alignment with anymore to quit that you can do that out of fear, as you say, or you can do that out of, okay, this is, you know, another starting in your life and you start again. And 
I think it's starting again. It's it's such a powerful thing that a lot of us could be really scared of. Like what happens when you start from nothing again? But I think it's one of the most powerful things. And a lot of the times it takes us to get to that place of starting from zero so that we can really realize how powerful we are. But one of the amazing things that you said to reflect back, it's like, when we have fear and where we come from in any area, I mean, there's so many areas of our lives, of our personal lives, like money, relationships, intimacy, like there's so many things. And when we're coming from fear in any of those aspects, it's translated. Like even if it's subconsciously, right? So I think, you know, how do you, how do you see, how do you, how did you in your own life took care of that, you know, that mindset, that fear of yours? How have you, because I think as somebody that coaches other people, it's so important for us to do the work for ourselves, right? So that we can actually um, clear our, you know, mind and our own home body of, of the things that we grew up with. So what what had been one of the things that you've done to to eliminate not even eliminate fear because can you really but more like work with it and change your perspective on on what that looks like for you yeah well here's the interesting thing about it um and this is where like i love that this is a space where we can get into the woo woo and the metaphysics and the whatever oh. but the the energy does not lie and the energy mm. comes across. And I know that so many of the people who listen are going to be leaders, business owners, influencers, coaches, entrepreneurs. What we've got to know is that people can feel the energy of what we're putting out. They really, mm -hmm. really can. And this is why if we are not responsible for our energy, if we don't do the work, if we don't clean up our energy when it gets wonky, that comes across. And any coach or business owner who has tried to sell from that place, tried to launch, tried to serve from that place with the energy being off knows it doesn't go very well. Right. And this is where, you know, if only it was as simple as action equals results. But it's yeah. not that simple because the energy of the action affects the results. And so mm -hmm. I guess I feel called to speak to fear in two levels here. So foundationally, there were a couple of sections of work I have to do um, or I had to do when I started out. Um, one would be figuring out a spirituality that works for me. So I use the term God trauma all the time to refer to any thought system of religion or spirituality that was handed to you as a child or by someone else in your life that ultimately caused more harm than it did good and mm -hmm. probably still lingers with you. Lots of the people who come to me, not everyone, but many of the people who come to me have some level of God trauma. I certainly did. And so the first thing I had to clean up was, okay, I'm not in this cult anymore. I know I don't believe all of this stuff, but what is true for me? And I still do consider myself a very spiritual being. So what does that look like for me? And do I want to use the word God? And like, what does it look like for me to have a relationship with the divine? And what is true and real and meaningful for me now? So that was a big category of work that I had to do. Um, 
the guilt, shame, fear of hell stuff that had been programmed into me, unlearning that was a big category of the work that I had to do. Um, Definitely a lot of inner child stuff, fear of being rejected, fear of being cast out, fear of being left out, lots of inner child work. So there were a bunch of different things that I had to do early on in my personal growth journey just to heal from the past, resolve my childhood, you know, really transform some of these things that were very painful wounds into powerful places that I could now be of service. And so that's one level I would say of working through the fear. Um, But the other level that I want to speak to is, especially in those early years of business, I would not let myself coach or sell or show up online and lead from a place of fear. And that was often easier said than done because I had a lot of fear in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And like, is my business going to work? Am I going to have to get a job? Am I going to be able to pay rent? Am I ever going to get a client again? Is anybody going to hire me? There was a (laughs) lot of fear there in the beginning. But I vowed to myself, if I am in a state of fear, if my nervous system is all jacked up, if I know that what's dominating my consciousness is worry or stress or lack, I'm going to attend to this one way, shape or form. I might meditate. I might use affirmative prayer. I might tap. But whatever it is, I'm going to deal with this energy because if I show up with this energy, it's not going to go well. And, And I will say... Though I don't have to do it to that degree today, because I think I have a much higher baseline than in those early years of business, that's still a principle I swear by. And if I'm not in a good space, I will make that a priority, do the work and do whatever I have to do to shift it because I I just am committed that I'm not going to show up and lead from that place. I love that. I love that. And, and one of one of the things that I was saying yesterday um, on my social media was, you know, filling our own cup and letting the overspill, letting the overflow of giving so much to ourselves be what we give, because then what we're giving is in abundance. What we're giving is in in alignment to our soul, to our bodies, to to our truth. So I love I love, love that idea of what you're saying on, you know, taking care of the the childhood trauma the fear like all those things that are holding you back in a subconscious level at the same time as taking care of your energy daily of like okay where are you right now and where are you coming from when you're sharing with other people it's true i mean energy does not lie and at some and even when we say that we're like yeah but um maybe they don't know the thing is like maybe they don't know consciously but they do know subconsciously so a lot of the times when you come and you want to work with somebody and you're attracted to somebody most of what you're attracted to, it's not what you're seeing, even though that's what you think it is, is what you're feeling about the person is the being in that energy of that person, and what that makes you feel because eventually, you know, falling in love, it's is how I falling in love is how you feel around that person, what makes you like who you are around that person. And I think it's the same when it comes to, you know, working with somebody or, or even just being a positive impact in other people's lives is how they feel about themselves when they are with you. But one of the things that I want to reflect to you is you said, you know, all this life of yours that, you know, brought you to this moment. I think a lot of the people can, 
look back at their life and and feel like I don't understand why that happened to me and in and, and such a tough position and, and why did it have to happen but I think what makes us superhuman and leaders um, and your stories just you know prove of that it's not what happens to us but because it happened you know things happen to every single one of us but it's what makes us superhuman is how we face them what we do with what we've given and you know However, like, it's not that your fear got away the moment you said, I want to have a business. Uh, and it's still, I'm sure at some point as a, you are human, it's still there. But it's not what happens to you or what your circumstances is, but is how you show up with it and what you do with it that actually makes you a superhuman and a leader. So it's such a beautiful story to, to hear that from you and to see where you are right now and, and, and to hear, you know, where you come from. and. I'm curious to hear like what is the the mm, like the hardest thing or, or the more challenging things that you have to work with people um and and on the other end what is the the things that you love working with people and and moving them through Yeah um that's a good question I think that the I don't even know if I would say the most challenging, but certainly the most intense things mm -hmm. would be the crisis moments. Mm -hmm. um, and I will just say from a human perspective, because, you know, I still am a human being as a, a coach <laughs> and a leader. Um, you know, the crisis moments are something that you hope you don't get too many of in one week. Right. Because that's when it starts to feel really heavy is like if right. this client and this client and this client were all to hit a crisis at once, that would be a lot. So so I definitely think those are probably the most intense where, you know, and at this point, so I've coached for a little over seven years at the time of this recording. Um, at this point, I've coached through more types of crises than I knew existed when I got started. I have coached people through, you know, their accounts getting shut down with the payment processor or social media and is their whole business ruined now? And I've, you know, I've coached people through breakups, marriages, divorces, cheatings, betrayals from business partners, scandals, bad headlines, IRS stuff, legal stuff, getting sued, suing somebody, you know, death threats, stalkers. I mean, I, I don't want to put energy out there of a soap opera here. Anything the, else that you left out? <laughs> well, well, the point is though, I, part of what gives me the ability to hold a space where even yeah. in intense worlds like Hollywood, somebody can say, I can refer you to Stefan and you're going to be in good hands is people know I've coached people through anything and everything. Mm. So especially at this point in the game, it's not just about does your experience match exactly something I've been through, but it's like, you know, if, for example, if I have a client going through a legal situation, right? Not only is that something that, yes, I do have experience with in business, but I also have a lot of experience coaching clients through that. So mm. I'm unfazed. I know you're going to be okay. I know you're going to be on the other side. And I know what makes the difference in a moment like that. I know how to help you move through that and make you the most supportive that you can be through that. So all of that to say, um, 
the crisis moments definitely come with an intensity. And my goal for a client is always, you know, I joke about uh, there's a, a text in the Christian faith that says we go from glory to glory. And I joke about some people mistakenly thought that the text said we go from crisis to crisis. We go from problem <laughs> to problem, from drama to drama. And that is not how it's supposed to be. And so, you know, fortunately, the crisis moments are rare. I, I don't have to deal with them all the time. Um, and fortunately, because we can shift pretty quickly, they don't have to last very long. But those are definitely where the, the most intensity lies. My favorite thing on the flip side, I guess you could say of your question, um, my favorite thing is when someone is showing up in the world so differently and they've transformed so much with so many quantum leaps along the way that it actually feels completely normal to them to be in that new reality. And it's like, it doesn't even phase them. It doesn't even psych them out. They may not even realize what a contrast it is until I point it out because the change is so significant. I love that because I wouldn't be in this business if I didn't believe that people can change and circumstances can change and life can change. And when I get to see it happen and help somebody see that it has happened, yes, you really did it. Yes, you really created it. That That's just an incredible moment for me. Yeah, it really is to to see the potential in people and then to eventually see that potential be fulfilled. I think it's an indescribable feeling. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that I want to ask you is because I myself went through this. One of the biggest things for me was believing in people. Um, I'm a very Virgo, you know, down to earth, realistic person. And at the same time, I flow in the cosmos and I channel every day and I talk about aliens and I talk about angels and I talk about all these things. So I have this very contrasting parts of my personality, but as a very realistic, rounded Virgo, um, I had this idea of like, you know, I know I can do it. I know that I, I will do anything to get to where I want to go, but I don't know if other people have that kind of drive. Um, and believing in people for me was uh, one of the biggest things that I had to work through to get to to where I am right now, to really believing that people can change and believing that um, that they can move through that and that they have that, you know, passion, commitment and, and drive. So for you, have you always believed in people this way? Have you always, you know knowing that you went through this whole thing, but one thing is to go through it yourself. But another thing is to actually believe that others can do the same or how much do you put yourself out there to kind of move them and drag them towards that uh, versus how much you believe in their own ability to get there at their own divine timing? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I mean, I think it doesn't always transfer automatically that if you've experienced something yourself, you, you automatically believe it for others, right? And I get that. Right. Um, but I do think for me, it did transfer largely in the sense that my life would have been unthinkable to like, like my life today would have been unthinkable to seven-year-old me. He he could not have, he might have had glimpses, desires, dreams. He couldn't have comprehended this life that I am right now living. And because of that, 
it's like a living, breathing reminder to me that possibilities are available to everybody that they wouldn't even be able to conceive of right now. And I do think that stuck with me in a way that made me want to see that and and speak that for others. Um, But I will also say, I certainly know, as I know you do, that like you can't make somebody change who isn't ready for change. And I think one of the things that I just have chosen to do over the years for my own business is um, we require commitment in a lot of ways that really are there intentionally to see, are you ready? And Mm -hmm. so whether that's the way we have people fill out an application, whether that's the fact that when you commit to work with me, I don't generally work with people less than six months, whether that's the fact that um, you know, you're going to get a time on my schedule and you're going to have that every week. So there is no hiding behind a scheduler. And this week, I don't feel like having a session because I'm going through it. You, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to check in on you. And in, in every level, right? Nobody comes to work with me who doesn't realize we're really going to do the damn thing. We're stepping mm-hmm. into this. Mm-hmm. We're in it together. And so I think I purposely filter and I know that. I mean, I say this with all the love in the world. And if if somebody listens and feels like it applies to them, maybe it does. Love you, mean it. But I can think <laughs> of somebody right now that began the application process and then kind of disappeared for a while. And they messaged me and they said, hey, I, I know that I've disappeared. I want to acknowledge that I've disappeared. Um, I'm having a lot of stuff come up. I don't really want to talk about it. And when I'm ready, I'll be back. And you know, what's interesting is I think a lot of coaches would say like, pick up the phone, get them on a call right now, push through the resistance. And I get the spirit of that. But for my work, for my clients and my containers, I'm just of the belief that, you know what? I want the person that is ready enough to to push the button, to push it over the edge, to sign the thing. I don't want the person that I have to coax through just to get to that decision. And so, um, you know, that's just a defining way that we run things is like, I have people come to me who are at a certain level of belief already in the possibility for themselves. And I think that's, that's the thing. The thing is, you know, Nobody can change unless they're ready to change. Because the thing is, we are so powerful. I think I say this in every single episode of my of, of Mystic Podcast. It's like we are so powerful to the fact that we can stop things from happening or we can speak speed things up. Like we we literally, whether consciously or subconsciously, are the creators of our lives. So I think what it is is that I think for me, now that I'm having this conversation with you, is that it was hard to believe the possibilities of something that they that they were not ready for because the thing is you know and what is ready anyway ready is just you know pushing through the fear themselves not you know needing for somebody to drag them to the button of like okay I'm in your program but it's like you need to lead yourself to that and be able to handle that kind of fear and that you know excitement and all that comes with you know leaping into what you really want so i think change the 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 
crazy impossible it's possible for everybody as you say you know your seven-year-old could not fathom the fact that you're here today as a life america's life coach and you've coached so many people and you've impacted so many people but at some point in your life you've decided to take on this big identity that was going to push you over the threshold that was going to you know you knew that okay when i sign up for this when i say this i'm going to be taken to parts that i don't want to see and the truth is in the personal development, a lot of people say, you know, it shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be hard. It should be easy. And the thing is, depending on how you define hard, right? And the same thing that you're saying, we throw these cliches and it's like, but let's like explain them a little bit. Like, yeah, it's meant to be easy. You're meant to flow within your own uniqueness. But the truth is when I'm, when I'm cleansing, you know, childhood stuff, when I'm cleansing ancestral trauma, that does not feel good. Like I literally, I think a week, two weeks ago, I was going through this huge cleansing of, of ancestral trauma and I ended up throwing up because my body felt like you had poison, like that, that kind of experiences. And, and was it hard? Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to feel like that. I had headaches for like three days afterwards, but was it easy? Yes. Because I committed to it. Like I said, this is what I want to do. This is the identity that I want to move into. So it's so interesting that keep people keep on saying, you know, it's not meant to be hard, but let's kind of redefine that. How do you see that? Okay. So I love that you have brought this one up because, you know, while I love the idea of it in some senses, I also have the same thought process as you here. And Lord knows it's something I've thought about over the years a lot. Um, here's the way I would differentiate it. The outer work we want to structure to be as easy as possible, right? And that is a lot of where I think that concept comes from. If you can get the same thing done in 12 hours of work as 40, set it up to be 12 hours of work, yeah. right? If you don't have to be the one clearing your inbox every day, then go ahead and delegate that, right? When on a level of the outer work, where it's within your power, find the easiest possible way for it to get done, right? And I am fully in support of that. And I would even say in a general sense, let it always be the, the quickest, most direct, easiest possible route. Here's where it gets complicated though, is on the perspective of the inner work. Mm. The inner work often feels, and this is the word I would use, because I don't want to affirm it has to be painful. I don't want to affirm it has to be difficult. But it can, to use this, this word again, it can be intense exactly. and it can certainly be out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And I, I think immature personal development says when I start to inch towards something and I have resistance and fear and discomfort around looking at it, I run. Mm -hmm. That is immature personal development that like, it doesn't feel good in the moment. Let me run. Right. And by the way, the problem with this is in the moment, you feel like you made the right choice to run. I know. And I was just listening to a talk about this the other day of why people quit and mm -hmm. how one of the reasons people quit is that quitting, even on something you're called to do, can bring a temporary in the moment relief that it's off your plate. And so immature personal growth doesn't recognize, I may feel temporary relief, but this thing is going to circle back. And if I want to get where I'm trying to go, I have to be willing to look at it. And I yeah. think mature personal development says, 
it may not be fun or comfortable or easy to look at this stuff, but what I want is on the other side of it. And that is worth it to me. I absolutely love this because it's so true. I mean, the outer world is like, make it as easy as possible because we're, we're, we're the, where the gem really is, is in the inner work. So set up your outer world in a way that is the most easy for you, for your clients, for your life, for your family, for everyone. But when it comes to the inner world, you know, I've seen this so many times with, with this temporarily release, because it was even talking to my mom yesterday, because she was saying, you know, um, that she was trying to put some boundaries with her clients, but that he felt that she felt guilty about it and that she didn't feel good about it until she she went back to not having those boundaries. And I was like, mom, but what you want is on the other side of that kind of, you know, discomfort. And she was saying, yes, but but it just didn't feel good. It just, you know, I want to feel good about me. I want to be the good person. I want to be the nice person. And I was like, yeah, but what's what's that costing you? That's costing you inner rage, inner anger, frustration. And at the end, in five years, you know, 10 years down the line, you're going to be yelling at your clients because you're going to be so mad at them and they're not going to know why. But it was five, 10 years of no boundaries of no, where am I in all of this? No inner work. So, well, and yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go. I, I was just going to say that good person thing will mm -hmm. get you. Um, and, and certainly that has been a thing for a lot of my clients over the years is um, we all want to see ourselves as a good person. We all want to be a loving person. And when we feel like if I do this, if I set this boundary, if I make this change, um, you know, am I really still going to be the good person, the loving person? And generally, there's one of two things that needs to shift there. Number one could be, it's really a perception issue a lot of the time of how other people are going to view us. And so you may know that it's the right decision for you, but what will they think if they see this? And so that can be part of the issue. The other, the other piece of it is sometimes we just have to redefine what love looks like, what being a good person looks like for us. And so I was just talking with a client this week about how because they haven't trusted the team enough to delegate, they're in like 45 different Slack chats simultaneously oh going at once. And they said, it's just so much. And, but they said, but I, I don't want to not be that good person that I was when I started my business, where I was so hands-on personally involved. And we had to redefine for them. What does it look like and mean for you to be a good leader? What does it look like and, and mean for you in this season to, to lead with love and to care for your people? Because it's not the 45 chats. Yeah. Yeah. That, that redefining. I think that's the thing is like we have these concepts and this, you know, ideas that we grew up with that served us when we were 10 and when we were 15 and when we were 20, that now that we're 30, it feels like we didn't graduate. It feels like we we didn't, you know, and I feel this is for a lot of people that we, there is no, and aside from graduating from college, graduating from high school, we never have this like rites of passage into like, listen, you know, that was then, this is now, you are an adult that continues to get into, you know, we have childhood and then teenager years and then adults, but we don't really have this like rites of passage of like, 
you've changed and you shifted and love means differently. And, you know, being a good girl does not, being a good boy is not the same as like when you're seven years old, that when you're 30 years old or, you know, and beyond. And I think we continue to, to act as if, you know, our parents uh, can control our lives and our family can control our lives and our friends can control our lives and our clients can control our lives and our partners can control our lives, which is what we were when we were seven. I mean, you know, your parents did control your life in a sense and in your, in your, your outer environment. So I think it's so much of what you're saying is redefining, you know, what is, what's the true now, you know, what is that being a good person? I think we just say that, but we don't really stop to ask, but what is a good person now um, from, from a person well, that is stubborn? You bring up a good point about, things like high school or college graduation, right? If you think about it, most of those coming of age rituals happen while our brains are still forming and we have Mm. zero awareness yet of any childhood wounds. Even if we know something was said or done, you know, to us, around us, et cetera, we have no awareness of the, the pain and the wounds from childhood yet. And so you end up as an adult and say you're 25, 35, 55, right? Wanting a a restart moment, wanting to turn the page, wanting to release something. And at that point, you're right. Your only options are to make your own rituals. And the good news is we can. And I'm a big believer in we can make our own rituals and experiences and celebrations, but it really is on you to do so because you're right. Other than, I guess, a wedding. Uh, I guess some people have, you can have five weddings, see how how that goes for you. Um, But no, you're right. Most of those rituals are long gone by the time that we're in our deepest transformation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, bringing that awareness into mature personal development of like, you know, not running away from defining, redefining concepts that will change your outer reality quite a lot. You know, um, I think the meaning of like, you're an adult, you know, when you were, when you, when you were start to move into our older years and, and people tell you, you're an adult now, you're an adult now. And, and it's like, yeah, but what does that mean? Like, does anybody tell us what does that mean? You know, what boundaries looks like, what standards look like, what, you know, the person that we're developing. But moving into the ritual idea, I want to hear about um, your woo-woo side of things or like, how did, how do you, because I know being on TV and being a, a, in, a, in the public eye, there is this, you're either too in the woo-woo and that's your personality, that's your character, that's, you know, that's within your brand or you are more, you know, um, accessible to a lot more people that are not into the woo-woo 100%. So how do you kind of woo in your grounded spiritual background into your brand and into, you know, your work with your clients? So I love this question, first of all. Um, And I think this is the the clearest way that I can say it, the more I have tried to do so by being myself rather than trying to solve it as an equation, the more it has worked for me. And I think that is the case for this reason. Um, I 
I definitely know what it feels like to be an outsider or to be somebody existing in one world, but not feeling like I fully belonged there. And given that that was so much of my childhood, um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't throw me off to not fully belong somewhere as an adult. And I can like, I always give this example. There was a season of life in college where one of my friends was a male stripper and one of my friends was a mega church pastor. And I said, listen, I like the two of you. I text the two of you. I'd be happy to have both of you at any party I was throwing. So you all are going to have to find a way to coexist in my life. That's always been me. And so for me, um, you know, it's funny. Every time I use the God word, I know that that's too religious for a a subsection of people that don't want to use that word. And every time I talk about the universe, I know there's a a religious subsection of people that rolls their eyes and says, the universe. And, And I could go down the list and say, You know, if I post a photo in a Speedo, there's going to be people that don't like that. If I quote Jesus, there's going to be people who don't like that. If I have tarot cards, there's going to be people who don't like that. So I have decided if I'm going to take hits and not resonate with somebody, no matter what I do, I might as well be myself so that I give myself the chance to actually attract in the right people. And something I'm really proud of is like, I'm not a religious person, but there are people in my community who exist within religion and we can align and have some sort of collaboration or connection on a shared understanding that love is what is ultimately real and we are all creating from the inside out. And I also pride myself that there are spiritual people, mystic people, atheist, agnostic people that want nothing to do with anything religion some of whom are skeptical. I I literally had a friend message me the other day and say, Stefan, I don't believe in signs. You know, when people say things happen for a reason, I don't believe any of that. And yet there are people all the way to that side of things Mm -hmm. who do understand my basic concept that you are the common denominator of your life. And when you do the work on yourself, your whole life and business get better. And so I pride myself on, listen, if there's something here for you, let's love, let's connect, let's collaborate. We don't have to align on everything to align somewhere. And I just believe that there's a lot more open people in the world than we realize. I think social media would have us believe that everything and everyone is hateful and polarized. This is when the late night is messing up my vocab. But, but it, you know, social media would have us believe that everything is very, very, very divided. And mm-hmm. it is in some ways. I get that. But I have been accepted and embraced and invited in so many spaces to so many people's lives across a full spectrum. And I think for me, I just find people tend to be very open to what works. So whether it's a a Christian person that's a little scared to be reading Course in Miracles, whether it's a spiritual person who has a lot of God trauma and doesn't even like that word, whether it's an atheist who, you know, I love when atheists hire me and say, 
I don't even know that I believe in all this laws and principles of the universe stuff, but I know that when I work with you, stuff gets better. (laughs) Anywhere across the board, people gravitate to, I know that this works. I know that this makes a difference in my life. And that I think that's the intersection that I exist in. I think it's is that authenticity, right? So as long as for you there is no diversion for you, there's no this like inner conflict. It's the same thing that we continue to talk about. You know, energy doesn't lie. So as long as there's no the inner conflict, like I have to be this or I have to be that or I have to fit into this people, be the good boy or the good girl to this people or that people. If you're just authentically who you are, then you can welcome without having to, like you say, I love, I love what you said. It's, you know, we don't have to meet everywhere to meet somewhere. It's like such a beautiful thing to, to allow yourself, you know, at service of like, there is something that's clearly working for you. And that is something that, and I think for everybody, all of us have gems to, to share with the world, to make the world better and to impact positively into our, you know, collective evolution. So as long as we know that, and we don't have to, um, segregate ourselves to a section so that we then can work together. I think that's a beautiful thing. So in, in the woo-woo space, and especially for me, you know, I was actually talking to this um, on my social media the other day that sometimes if you, if you see me walking down the street, you're not going to say, oh, you know, she's a, she's a spiritual, she's a mystic, she's a, you know, um, spiritual mentor or whatever, because I don't look like anything. I just look like a normal person, but it's like, we don't need to look like anything to be who we are. It's just, we are because we are who we are. Uh, and I think that's the, the biggest thing when it comes to the woo woo and in now merging to God trauma, as you call it, and now merging into atheism. I think there is a threat there and it is evolution. There is a threat there and there is, we all want to be better. We all want to be, you know, good people and do good things. So I, I love that. My last question for you, and, and thank you so much. I, can I can I say can I say one more thing about that? Yes. Um, because I just love this discussion. I think part of the confusion here is that woo woo has been seen as an aesthetic, yes, rather than a core set of truths about mm-hmm. how the world works, and so. You know, I think a lot of times if we use the word woo-woo and we think about, okay, like who would be investing that amount of money into a coach? What kind of people would go to that event? What, like when we think about and we visualize who would be the woo-woo client or customer, there's an aesthetic that people associate. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm going to give one, and this isn't fun exercise, everybody listening, Picture, whether you close your eyes or not, you can picture in your mind the woo-woo aesthetic for you. Because first of all, I'm about to say mine and it might not even match up with yours, but I'll share mine. So so we all have different aesthetics and I'm going to share my example. When I think about what is the woo-woo aesthetic stereotypically, I think about like a girl in a bikini with like a big sash you know, thing in Bali, you know, maybe doing some plant medicine meets party drugs and maybe a tribal DJ. And she just got back from Tulum and she has, you know, a crystal collection, took up half a suitcase. And my point is like, we, we joke about this, but I really do want people to know, like, 
there are parts of what I just said that I, I that resonate with me, parts that don't. But but hear me very clearly. I am a woo-woo person who loves also The Bachelor and country music and Hallmark mm-hmm. Christmas movies and and you know reality TV of all kinds and Taylor Swift and I live in a condo high rise in downtown LA and like I, I think people need to remember that woo woo is an understanding of the universe it's not an aesthetic and so if you're listening to this and you're skeptical questioning curious open whatever about this inner work stuff and what it really might do for your life or business, but you haven't fully dived in. I just want you to know, we're we're talking about some capital T truths here that work for everybody. And I always say, you know, when it comes to the laws and principles that run the universe, the law is the law is the law is the law. It doesn't care whether you watch Gaia documentaries or Real Housewives. It's still the law. So that is, I think, very, I don't think I've ever articulated this in exactly this way, but we've got to move away from woo-woo being an aesthetic so that there's people, there's room for people to get their hands on life-changing work outside of a box of what it has to look like. I absolutely, like you could not have put it better. And and it's it's so beautiful because, you know, I think this idea of aesthetics has to do with social media, right? So like, how does your social media channels have to look? Who do you, like, what's the image that you need to portray in, in order for people to understand that you're a spiritual person? And I I went through this, the idea of like, you know, if you go to my Instagram and I was talking to my mentor the other day, like a lot of the times, if you go to my Instagrams, you wouldn't know the depth that I work with, you know, the, the, the depth of, of my channeling of my ability to, to see energies of, of the wisdom that I carry within my, within my being. And it's like, do we change our social media to show that then I'll have to take some pictures of, you know, like you said, this, you know, cloth around me in Bali, you know, with, with the crystals. I don't have crystals in my social media. I don't, I don't, I don't, that's not what I do. So I think it's, it's this idea of like in social media, this first impact of like, do people get who I am? But the truth is, as you're saying, it's not what they get. It's like, in, in terms of, you know, the first instant moment of what they see in a picture, but it's like who we are. So I think what you're saying in terms of like, what, whatever it looks like, it's what it works. It's, it's the, the, the life changing principles of what we're actually sharing. That is not just human, but is divine as well. Like we need to understand this holistic approach. And I think that's basically spirituality. That's what it is. It's like the holistic approach of who we are. We, we need to stop just looking at actions because actions are backed with energy. And if the actions are not backed with the energy, the actions don't freaking work, period. But if we're just energy and there is no action, if we're sitting, you know, meditating every day, and I mean, maybe that would work, who knows? But if there's no action in the, in the physical realm that we're bypassing our spirituality as well, we're bypassing that holistic approach into all that we are. Yeah, and I, I just think it's 2021. We can do away with the idea that depth just requires us to be all the time, serious, one-dimensional, perfectly curated people online, right? I think depth can be multi-dimensional. How's that for depth, right? And I think depth can also be funny and depth can be wholehearted and depth can be, 
you know, I, I just think there are so many ways for people to experience the fullness and the uniqueness of who we are um, and to get it in terms of our work and, and our value and what we bring to the world without us having to be these perfectly curated people. And I think we're moving in that direction where, you know, you got to let yourself be seen and the depth can be seen and felt. Again, going back to when more of you comes out, not the, the less of you curated only, but when more of you comes out, more of you can be seen, more of you can be received. Yeah, I think this episode, it's it's so much about that, like more of you, right? But in the, in the point of like, you know, what is in there? Where are the pieces of you that are the pieces that you keep on hiding and they keep on curating and you keep on, you know, pushing down and let's grow into this identity that it's still us, you know, in, in constant growth and constant evolution and constant, constant authenticity. Thank you so much. I mean, what an amazing conversation. What a great divine connection. I'm so, so, so happy to have had you here. The last question that I do have, and I usually ask this question, and it's Mystic Podcast and our community talks about the bridge between the spiritual and the human. And you know, a lot of people have different concepts about how they, they they bridge those things in their lives and how that looks like for them. And some of them have rituals, some of them have concepts, some of them has just ideas of what that looks like. But for you personally, how do you see, you know, in your day-to-day -day life, how you bridge your spirituality and your human so that you carry to both? Yeah, well, in my spiritual understanding and framework. I believe that on the deepest level of reality, love is all that there is. And so for me and how I see life, see the world, um, we are either having an experience of reality or we're distracted by something else that is ultimately an illusion. And, um, you know, for me, there it's funny because the world I grew up in was all about there was sacred music and secular music. And there, you know, there was a very <laughs> defined line and the boxes and the compartmentalization and the separation. And, and now I view it as love is in absolutely everything. You know, love is in this conversation we're having right now. Um, and as I go get ready for bed, you know, love is in the, the nighttime rituals that I do. And as I go to the theme park with family friends tomorrow to celebrate someone's birthday, love is in the, the rides and the memories and the, and so to me, it's, I always have a choice moment by moment, whether I am connected or disconnected to that. And there's always going to be opportunities and reasons to disconnect, right? Worry is going to give me something seemingly compelling to stress about. And the ego is going to say, we better get our feelings hurt about something. And there's always going to be a distraction that can pull me out of that. But the true me, the real me, and yes, the spiritual me, I believe is the me that is in that present moment connected to and open to love. And we've all been there, even just for, even if you've just been there for glimpses, we've all been there. We know what that feels like when we're in that place. 
And I think the work is bringing ourselves there more often, more often, more often, so that we can live there more dominantly um, with blips that throw us off and we get back to it rather than it being this once in a lifetime transcendent thing. Yeah, I love that. I think there's so much to to just sit with in, in this idea of being more in that uh, union than in the disconnection um, of that union, which is our truth. So thank you so much again for your time, for your midnight uh, thoughts <laughs> and this conversation. I really appreciate your time, your energy, and everything that we've discussed. I think, you know, people will really resonate with all that we've discussed today. So where do they find you? Where is your, your spot to be at? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for the conversation. And though I'm not inviting in that everyone should book me at midnight, uh, <laughs> I loved the, I loved the different vibe that it brought to it. You know, I could feel going in, it was going to be a special conversation. And even that in and of itself was going to bring a different flavor. So I loved that. Um, and I've loved being in this space with you having these moments. Um, I feel like Instagram is the easiest one-stop shop to find everything. So I'm on Instagram, Dr. Lovegrove, D-R-L-O-V-E-G-R-O-V-E. Um, and honestly, my, my most like day-to-day -day interactive thing is I do love to text my people. So my community number is up there at the top. There's a button, there's a number, however you want to do it text me and let me know if something spoke to you from this episode. I would love to hear from you there. That sounds amazing. And I'm sure they're going to absolutely do that. So thank you everybody for listening, for tuning in, for your, you know, your magic, what you brought to this episode, your own interpretation of what that is for you. I hope I see you soon again. Thank you, Stefan. I'll see you soon again. And until next time.